Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hola socios, hola equipo, my name is Neil. I'm Liam. This is John Nurberger from Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Maury Field near Brisbane in Queensland. Edinburgh, Barcelona. And I'm a socio. I'm a socio. I'm a socio of The Big Interview. Hi, this is Taylor from Shenzhen, China, and I am a socio of The Big Interview. My favorite episodes are the weekly insights from La Liga. Living out in China, I can't keep up with the league I love because of the kickoff times and the fact that it's just not covered out here. It's not very popular, which is very, very sad. And Graham and his insight really helps me to stay in touch with the league I love and the football I love. From Backpage, I'm Neil White, and this is the big interview at the World Cup. Graham Hunter is in Krasnodar, which is going to be the base for the Spain team during this tournament. For this podcast, we asked our socios over at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter for their questions ahead of the World Cup. Before we start, I have one. Graham, if you had to go out with one member of La Roja to, I don't know, watch a state of origin rugby match and get drunk, who would it be and why? <laughs> um, well, given that the, ch- the squad has changed a little bit and there are some younger lads, I can't answer that as definitively as I would always want to, but one guy I know has a slightly similar attitude to life um, as me is uh, Pepe Reina. So to be honest with you, um, having seen him, uh, he features in the Spain book, um, which stemmed from previous tournament experiences. Uh, He doesn't necessarily feature by name, but if you go back and read the book, he's identifiable for... a specific reason that's allied to what you're saying here. And I'm pretty sure that Pepe Reina and I would have a big night out. That's quite the Easter egg for anybody who's read that book. Um, I think I know the passage to which you are referring. Yeah, there'd be a description of his shirt in it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Thank you to all of the socios who sent in these questions. Let's go. So the first one comes from my left foot. I'm not sure if this is actually Daniel Day-Lewis or not. You're a fantastic actor. Fantastic actor. We love your work. To what extent has Spain's international success changed the public's relationship with the national team, particularly within regions traditionally less aligned with Madrid? 
Do you know, it's a funny question to, to be able to answer properly because clearly there was a massive change over the years that I've been uh, broadcasting about them or writing about them in that, again, if people have read the La Roja book, when they went off to Euro 2008, the public hated them. They were booed and jeered everywhere. Um, the players talked very um, angrily or emotionally or sometimes just with bewilderment about the absolutely horrendous relationship with the Spanish fan base when it came to the national team. Then, you know, the, the, the point from the players in 2008 that they were booed out of the country um, with 1-0 wins, something like 1-0 win against the USA and I think, I think against the South American side. You know, when they came back as champions of Europe in 2008, there was well over a million people on the streets of Madrid having one hell of a big party, uh, again, hosted by Pepe Reina. And, you know, there's a pretty stark answer to the question. Subsequently, when they won the World Cup, and clearly the media was jam-packed full of it, when I finally got back from South Africa, having been there from start to finish and ended up in the dressing room with the players and the trophy, I got back to my little part of uh, Barcelona where... There were never Spain flags. You'd be more likely to see an Italian flag or an Ireland flag or a South African flag in my little neighbourhood because it's it's made up of a lot of people who are itinerants. Suddenly there were Spain flags everywhere, and that was very odd to see because you know I live in Catalonia. There, there was certainly prior to the influx of Catalan players um, from about you know, the turn of the, the millennium onwards. There's been tons of Catalan players before that, but the, the Catalan players from Barcelona identifiably became key leaders in the team. That was sort of from 2002, 3, 4 onwards. But even with them having been central to La Roja, they, you didn't see Spain flags in, in Barceloneta. And then after 2010, you did. But... Because Spain doesn't have a national stadium and they took the subsequent games on the road to Granada, um, to Malaga, to uh, Valladolid, to Salamanca, the response varied to, to a degree that really baffled me in that not every ground would be sold out. I thought that when you get a Spain team made up of a real mix of La Liga's clubs and they've won the World Cup, that you know you could fill a small stadium 16 times over and it wasn't always the case so I, I think there's an idiosyncratic relationship between the Spanish football team and its public clearly it got better when they were winning trophies the audiences for the games went up a little bit but it's a, it's a school of hard knocks if you're a Spain player you really I think have to passionately want to play for the national team for your own reasons because it is not a constant flow of love and appreciation from from the Spanish national footballing public, definitely not. I mean, just briefly, um, as a as a follow up, this isn't this isn't Daniel Lewis. This is me. Has the mood around the Spanish national team been caught up in internal Spanish politics in the last twelve or eighteen months? I think you're talking about the is the relationship between the the Spanish national team and its audience affected by the political and social situation, and. Really, honestly, I would say that in terms of those who pay their money and go to games, no, apart from one thing, and that is that for many, many months, 
Gerard Piquet, I think for no particular reason, in, in my opinion, you know, it was an outburst of idiocy, was booed and whistled every time he was on the ball. Now, Piquet is vociferous. He's Catalan. He will speak out if he thinks that there are things happening in the capital that he, he doesn't particularly appreciate. I think he is a Catalan um, separatist, independentista, but he's never come out and said so. He's always introduced reason and balance and a, a request for fairness in any comments he's made on either Spanish society or Spanish football. But it became pretty clear that the, the ferocity of his desire to make Barcelona superior to Real Madrid led to some people around the country thinking, well, he, he can become a totem pole for the things we don't like in, in Catalonia. So... That would be the um, simplest way to answer your question. And while I've been away, somebody attempted to or did rob Piquet's house. And it was interesting that the the king, um, Felipe, uh, yesterday when the team was leaving uh, Las Rosas, the training ground um, outside Madrid, they were presented to the king. And the king and Piquet wouldn't necessarily see eye to eye on, on everything. But there was a big fuss that the king stopped and said, listen, this is really bad news about your house. And Jerry's like, oh, yeah, my parents were in it at the time. And there was just a sort of chit-chat at the Spanish version of the queen going, and what is it you do? So um, that was a nice little moment between the Spanish state and uh, Gerard Piquet. So he's definitely been the, the lightning rod for the way in which sport and politics and society have been mixed with more tension than usual over the last couple of years. Okay, this next one from Liam Young. Will the fact South American players have had more experience playing in Eastern Europe, and especially Russia, give them the edge over, for example, England, whose players have very little experience of this? It's a really... Liam's got a good question there because Russia is different. Part of the joys of a World Cup is that can players, can squads cope with new environments? And of course, there was a time when South Americans didn't win the World Cup outside South America and Europeans didn't win the World Cup outside their continent. So I think Liam's on to something there. I, I, you know, it's clear that although many Brazilians come out here, I'm not certain that they've had a uniform experience, that they've enjoyed it necessarily. Russia is odd because of the alphabet. So no matter what language you speak, being able to pick a word apart is much more difficult because of uh, acrylic script um, the thing that I think will affect uh, people more is that um, it's a country of great variance in terms of huge um, travel distances and also some real temperature variances because down the south here both in Krasnodar where I am and in Sochi um, it's very hot and, and those players from countries where you, you don't experience having to play in hot or steamy summer temperatures um, will struggle a little bit. I, I suppose that because some South American players might be coming back to a club or a, a city where they had success, it's feasible that they get a little bit more personal support you know, from people cheering them on in or around the team hotel or the training ground or, or whatever. So I'm not sure that uh, it, it's definitely the case that any 
South, South Americans who've played it in Russia will bring a big um, advantage in terms of experience to their squads. But I do think the other half of Liam's idea that those who've never spent you know, a concerted amount of time in Russia might find um, temperature, travel, food, alphabet disorientating and, and little things can get to players. So um, that's my guess, but it's, it's one, Liam, that we can go back at the end of the tournament, see how players and, and squads and coaches have fared and, and work out whether there was more to your question than I've been able to answer. Thanks, Liam, and thanks, Graham. Next up, Taylor Collard, who I believe is coaching in China. Which La Liga players do you foresee will have a big impact at this tournament? Secondly, which players are you most looking forward to seeing? Well, hi Taylor. Um, if you are coaching in China, then good luck. It's a place that I went out to work in football um, several years ago, and boy, they're a mixture of um, obsession and sort of disregard for football, or it was at the time. Really strange place, China, and given what they're investing in football, maybe we'll be at a World Cup sometime soon where that national team's looking like a winner. We'll see. Short term, I think that um, this is a tournament where I've got my eyes turned to two footballers in particular who don't have massive experience of, of turning a tournament, but should have. They are Isco and Asensio. I don't think that Asensio is automatically a starter. Um, I imagine that if um, everybody is fit, then the team is De Gea, Carvajal, Pique, Ramos, Alba, Busquets, Iniesta, Coque. Uh, Silva, Isco and a striker who can be Costa or Rodrigo but I think that Asensio 1 can hugely impact uh, games uh, by coming on when the games are broken and apart from his you know, obvious skill his numerous Champions League wins one of the things that Asensio does that other players don't do enough in the Spain national team as far as I'm concerned is shoot from distance and therefore it's my aspiration that what we see is Asensio adding extra to what Spain can do in games whereby their opening up technical play isn't enough to get them where we want to be. Um, I think that's Asensio now, just trying to trying to get through to you, trying to let you know that he's going to start. It, 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 he's, it, he's not, it could well be. He's not happy with an impact role. It could well be. He pesters me with phone calls all the time. It's golf for another reason, which is that... Um, I think Isco is a guy who is in the absolute top part of his career. I think he's a guy who um, can add something that is missing from Spain um, or was in tournaments post-Chavi. And post-Chavi starts from the end of the Holland game in 2014 because he wasn't picked for the Chile game um, or the Australia game. Then in France, it was notable that when Spain were up against it, they didn't have the capacity to take the game and own the game. And with um, a team that has David Silva and Isco and Busquets and Iniesta in it, I think they, once again, possibly have that capacity. So I don't want to describe the things that Isco does well, um, that, for example, Taylor or all the socios know, but I think the importance is that, apart from maybe opening things up, making or scoring goals, I think Isco can help dictate the tempo of the game. And that in tournament play, is absolutely vital. Unless you're a team built around you know, height and power and pace and domination and storming, which Spain are not, then you have to have 
um, some sort of barometer of when to push the accelerator and when not. And ISCO will be that. Miles Channels, you're up. And I hope I pronounced your surname correctly. Regarding Alvaro Odriozola, is there any chance that he is Spain's starting right back, even if Carvajal is fit? It could be the birth of a star on the world stage, says Miles. I understand the question from Miles because Odriozola is hugely exciting. Particularly, well, one in any terms of romantic storytelling, because to see a kid bursting through at this stage of a season and, and going from not necessarily being a guaranteed starter at Athletic to being at the World Cup is, is wonderful. Uh, it, it inspires all of us, it catches our attention, it freshens things up. Then you go back to Miles' question, which I'm glad he phrased the way he did. So let's say Carvajal is fully fit, then the answer is no. Nothing against Odriozola, although you can pinpoint the fact that at times he looks more like a winger than a fullback. Now, okay, that is the modern idiom, and Miles is probably saying to me, well, Marcelo and many others. But Marcelo aside, I think that even those flying wing-backs or auxiliary wingers that the modern attacking um, teams love to have, apart from Marcelo, you have to have some defensive ability. Now, Odriozola clearly has some, but he lacks a great deal of experience. Um, it's something that I think, if Spain are under the cosh, what they absolutely have to be able to do is buy some time for a slightly ageing midfield. I don't want to be contradictory. You know, I like the look of um, Koke and Busquets and Iniesta, but it, it's true that Busquets doesn't want to be doing doggy sprints from box to box, that's for damn sure. And Iniesta looks like a guy who might be playing... You know, in principle, two out of every three games and, and maybe an hour each time. So there will be times when that back four or five, including De Gea, I need to just say, right, nothing gets past here. So Adria Zola's inexperience is, is a little bit of a burden. However, yes, he can change games. Yes, it does look like he's going to be a star. His right-footed volley at the Madrigal Ceramica Stadium uh, against Switzerland was joyful. It goes back to my point about there was somebody else who knew how to strike the ball from outside the box and, and get a goal. And, and maybe Miles is hinting at the fact that he'd like to see this because, you know, it looks like a damn good story. But Carvajal is a little bit special. Um, his crossing of the ball is very, very good. He's a ferocious tackler. When fit, he's up and down the wing. And maybe the way to culminate this is to say that what a bad season uh, poor old Carvajal has had for injuries and illness, given that two-thirds of the way through, well, no, a third of the way through the season, he had this infection, um, some sort of virus that attacked the lining of his heart. And, and he admitted that there, there came a stage very quickly where he didn't know if his career was going to be salvable. I mean, think about that. With hamstring injury and groin injury, problem after problem, Let's hope that by the time he's fit, um, Danny Carvajal is able to play every game. If he's not, if he, if he starts training or playing and breaks down again, then maybe we're arriving at a situation whereby Odriozola's chances go right up. Thanks, Miles. Thanks, Graham. We're going to take a break now. Still to come, two takes on Leo Messi. Graham looks at France's chances and makes his golden boot prediction. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. 
It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome back. We've been taking questions from our socios. That's the listeners of The Big Interview who support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Okay, next up is Josh Caswell. Hi, guys. My question is to do with the tournament as a whole. Who will be the star player, Golden Boot winner, and from that group, which new Galactico will Madrid sign? Whoa. Can I say don't know, don't know, don't know? Yeah, it's um, a short answer. It's a tough, it's a really tough one. I mean, who's going to be the star player? Obviously, I hope it's going to be an Isco or maybe Iago Aspas. But if we're realistically looking right around the tournament, there'll be millions of people hoping that it's Neymar. I have a personal penchant for Kylian Mbappe, who I think should win the Golden Boy um, or Best Young Player. Um, I think he's very, very special, very exciting. It's clearly a moment whereby, with the experience he's gained uh, with Paris Saint-Germain, um, things are going to be much more within his experience. He's going to be a guy who's got um, the type of um, skills, attitude, pace, and now increasing maturity that he can dominate this, um, dominate this part of the tournament. Now, what's happening right now in front of me, and you're going to hear a lot of background noise, I was sitting in a place whereby I thought I was completely isolated this goes away from your question, but um, I've just been surrounded by the Spanish national team who are being shown around this campus and are being shown um, a big model of the um, uh, training ground. And uh, that's the background noise you can hear as Albert Salades, the under-21 coach, uh, Pique Iniesta, Diego Costa, Busquets, are all sort of crowding around a giant model of what is... An extraordinary training complex, really genuinely gigantic. There are many, many people who say that Tottenham Hotspur currently have uh, the number one training complex in Europe. Well, I say anybody that matches themselves up against Krasnodar with its beautiful, huge pitches, extraordinary stadium, academy, schools, uh, restaurants, it's, it's phenomenal. So the background noise you're hearing is <clears throat> hopefully the winners of this tournament. Um, so star names, um, you know, Timo Werner, I really like to, to see what he's got. Is he a starter? I don't know. But when he played against um, Spain in the recent friendly, you could see how he will strike absolute fear into defenders everywhere. Griezmann is another candidate. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. And if you'll allow me the emotional answer, um, then I really, really hope that the guy... Um, who's the star of the tournament and who wins the tournament is, is Leo Messi. Now, the Cristiano Ronaldo fans will naturally have things to say about that and maybe he's got another big, 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 big tournament in him. Let's wait and see. But um, for me, I'm going to say let's hope Messi is player of the tournament. Um, I really want to see um, Asensio and Mbappe emerging. Gabriel Jesus emerging in a tournament and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to take control, I'm going to make the big impact, I'm going to be the James Rodriguez of, of this tournament. There may well be others, clearly there may well be others. They're the ones that I'll be following. And as far as Madrid is concerned, they want Neymar. <laughs> they want Neymar. Um, 
is he the next Galactico? Does that count as an answer? Um, whether they can get Neymar or not, I think that because of the way that Paris Saint-Germain's finances are, it's possible they may have to s- settle for <laughs> trying to wean um, Mbappe away from Paris Saint-Germain. But, you know, the situation at Madrid is so strange in that you, effectively you're, you're, you're not supposed to sign World Cup stars, are you? Because you're supposed to have done your scouting beforehand to not be influenced by a tournament player and to really try and have your business done in advance. They know enough about Neymar, they know enough about Mbappe, but, but with Zidane moving, with a new coach coming in, not yet appointed, and without a director of football to, to put them so far ahead, could this genuinely be a tournament where Florentino Perez sees an emerging player and says, I must have him? <laughs> yes. I think in amongst that lot, you saw John Nirenberger's question coming. How about Messi's Argentina? Woeful in qualifying, yet somehow some are calling them favourites. What are the chances they go out in the group stage? Whoa, Joel, Joel, favourites? No, 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 no. Right, well, listen, whoever you found calling them favourites, then tell them to stop it. The group, I think not. I, I think that there is a unity. I think there is a group that understands two things differently than the beginning of the qualification um, campaign. One, there is a group that understands their coach and likes their coach and and understands his philosophy better uh, than, for example, when it's Bautista or Batworth, uh, Maradona, the the list of previous coaches that didn't click with the squad, didn't understand what the squad needed is long. And I think Sampaoli is different from that. He's a tournament winner already. So tournament mentality is something that he patently has. I think that when he came in and took over, he evidenced a clear understanding of what the team needed to do to get the best out of Leo Messi. And therefore, coming back to a conclusion about the second thing that I think has changed, I believe that this is a group that fully understands that if they can, one, take some work off Messi, and two, service him the way that he needs space and the ball and needs to have a structure similar to the Barcelona structure around him on the playing surface, I think that the the perception that the playing group has and that Sampaoli has is that maybe they can do enough to get to another, yet another final after having reached three to a Copa Americas and a World Cup final, that maybe Messi will still have that inch of energy left that could transfer him from being a a guy who takes you to a final to a guy who wins you a final. I think they go through the group because I think they're tough and I think that they are much more unified. Do they win the tournament? I don't know. I think that strange things would need to happen for some of the stronger squads to be knocked over, but can that happen in the World Cup? Yes, it definitely can, and my fingers are crossed that it will this time too. Okay, here's uh, an alternate universe question that I love from Athan Sokolas. Hi, Graham. What do international competitions look like if Messi had chosen to play for Spain? Well, they look red, don't they? You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the fact that um, he was approached um, by one of the coordinators at the National Federation here who knew one of the junior coaches at Barcelona, and he was, it was floated to him. And it was a political situation even back then where they didn't want to be seen to be rejected by some Barcelona kid. 
and he didn't want people back in Argentina to be thinking he was angling to get to play for Spain. And he's occasionally asked about this. I have asked him about it before. And occasionally he's asked to get about it again. And he'll say, well, I never even considered it. No chance. And I think that's true. He is very, very passionately Argentinian. He doesn't feel about his nation like Diego Costa felt about his, Brazil. Had they succeeded in taking him over at a time when the majority of his team club playing um, lieutenants were at their peak, I think it's arguable that Spain could have won five or six in a row of Euros and World Cups. That's because if you can put elite footballers... Um, at the peak of their career, in and around a trio that says uh, David Villa, Xavi, Busquets, Iniesta <laughs> and Messi, well, game over. Finley McDonald, are France likely to go far or will the squad have a meltdown again? Yeah, they don't look like a meltdown squad, I don't think. Um, I, I think that it, it, most people would think that they were a better side than Portugal who beat them in the final of the Euros. That experience plus club maturity for the footballers has to suggest um, that if you think about the the further emergence of Mbappe, the further emergence of Lamar, the further emergence of Dembele, more experience from Titi, you're beginning to suggest that France might even be a candidate for the final in the World Cup. If the implosion idea dates back to the Anelka and Dominic moment, I don't think this group resembles them. I think they win their group and at that stage with confidence and if Griezmann is having his tournament, then, then you know, they've got to be in a group of four or five. I, I think that the two outstanding favourites to win it are Brazil and Germany and I think that there are clear reasons for that, after which comes a group, maybe with Spain at the head of it, that includes Argentina and France, um, uh, you know, Spain have to be in that group. Beyond that, I'm beginning to wonder a little bit if I'm really sure that anybody else is is a firm candidate to win it. I might be wrong. Um, Uruguay are the are the outsiders of the of the medium group, but from that group, I think probably comes the winner. France are definitely in it, and if it happens to be that everything clicks rather than implosion or negativity then there are side that I think most will find difficult to beat. We have one final question but it comes from two socios who asked very similar questions. So from Stuart Cruikshank and Neil Gray who is a candidate to be the breakout player that we just haven't seen coming? Neil gave the example of Toto Scalacci um, Jordan Lechkov that would be 1990 and 1994 um, and also more recently Hamas Rodriguez although he had a reputation certainly it, it was elevated uh, during the World Cup. Is there any player that you think is going to have that kind of breakout tournament? I, I don't know, and I, I'm, I don't think that my worldview is good enough to be beginning to tell you about, you know, the Iceland team or the Japan team and say, listen, let me tell you about their outstanding sweeper or right-back or centre-forward or goalkeeper. Might I make a suggestion to you? Yes. Based on everything that you have told me on these podcasts this season, mm-hmm. I noticed that your man Gedge scored two goals for Portugal in their last warm-up. Yeah, I, I was going to go to well, okay, I was going to go to um, that type of argument. So, for example, I don't know what people consider a breakout, break, breakthrough player in that 
you know, Hammers, I think, had probably won the Europa League with Porto. I think. I haven't checked. Um, but my memory is that he, he'd shown a little bit before an explosive World Cup. So are we talking about somebody who moves from, you know, the middle ground to the foreground, having been reasonably well established? Are we talking about from nowhere? If it was top of the pops, Graham, let's go for, like, highest climber. The guy, well, the guy I go to that interests me in this question, it's not a prediction, is Dybala, because he is a special footballer. He has a an Isco-style talent. Um, we've seen that at Juventus. He's not as established as James was, I think, for the Brazilian World Cup, but he is clearly a footballer of real note. Now, his star has waned a little bit at Juventus, a little bit, and he doesn't seem to have clicked with Leo Messi in, in almost any sense. And then he rather stupidly said, well, when I'm playing with Messi for the national team, I, I don't know which of us is the 10. I don't know quite what to do or when to give him the ball. Well, just give him the ball all the time. <laughs> You're not Messi, as good as you are. And I'm not suggesting that Messi has pushed him out of the team, but I think Sampaoli sees that Dybala's role as he plays, as he likes to play, gets in Messi's way, I think. So my view would be that that will interest me. Can he learn more quickly, Dybala, and can Sampaoli fit him in? In terms of Gedge, what was fascinating was that in the first of their warm-up games, there was no Cristiano Ronaldo. And initially, um, Gedge was played as a centre-forward and didn't enjoy it, didn't look as if he was having fun. Subsequently, I think against um, Algeria, um, the goals came. He's a footballer who I, I certainly think is, is very, very special in that he has this hat-trick of talents. One is clearly blinding pace on the ball. Two, he has a football brain. There's an awful lot of times where you see him working at a defender, teasing him this way, teasing him that way, understanding whether the guy wants to come tight and needs to be turned whether the guy will drop off and can be run at. Uh, for a kid of that age, I suspect Geddish is maybe, I don't know if he's 20, 21. So for, to see a guy with that kind of brights is, is encouraging. And then to add the third of the hat trick that, that could make him a breakout player, um, I, certainly he will, he will, I think he'll be an, a good ally for Cristiano Ronaldo, who, who took so much from Quaresma's presence two years ago but at Quaresma's age, which I think is about a year or 14 months older than Cristiano Ronaldo, there needs to be better supply. Gedge's pace is something that will petrify teams and allow them to be drawn to him, maybe giving Cristiano more space. But Gedge finishes. He has devastating finishing power. He also has subtlety. And therefore... I think it's a lot to ask a kid of his age after one breakthrough season domestically in La Liga and now on his way back to Paris Saint-Germain to see what's to be done with him. If this is the tournament that he takes by the scruff of the net, then then wow. And he's ahead of Dybala in that ranking about likely to play, likely to make an impact. But Geddes is, is a player that can, can capture people's imaginations and thrill them because of all the talents I've described. And Dybala is the one that doesn't have the pace but does have the control, um, the language skill, the passing, the goals, the velvet. And 
it, it would it, to me it would be disappointing if, if Sampaoli can find no role for him. So there are two that I'll be watching in in context of that that idea about the the guy who we'll all be talking about in three four weeks time. All right, that's our show. Thank you once again to our socios at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter for the questions for today. If you're not one of those guys yet, please consider joining for the new season of Big Interviews. Or at least, if you're not there yet, drop a short review for us on iTunes. It makes a big difference for us and it's easy for you. Most of all, thanks for listening. Graham, can I get a Dosvidanya? You can get a Dosvidanya and thank you to all the socios for sending in such smart questions. Really enjoy chatting with you. If there's other things you want to know, don't hesitate to send them in to Neil and Martin. I really hope you're enjoying these World Cup shows. We've got huge plans for next season, but we do need your help to make them happen. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, a member, to join us, to support us. You'll get an extra big interview every month, plus lots of other bonus content. Last season, our members got nine exclusive big interviews, including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Dini, and Roberto Di Matteo. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Do it now, please. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.